0: Welcome to Beyond the Tools, the podcast that helps contractors attract more leads, grow their business, and finally get off the tools. In each episode, you'll discover marketing tactics that work. You'll get actionable insights from other successful contractors and connect with experts to help you grow. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, owner of a social media agency that helps contractors attract and convert more leads. Get ready to take your business to the next level so you can finally enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. Ready? Let's go. Hey, contractors. Welcome back to Beyond the Tools. Today, I have a delightful chat with Natalie Brooks, who is the owner at Brooks Heating and Air in Ontario, and the co-founder of Women in HVACR Canada. Now, my agency, Reflective Marketing, we just recently became a member of Women in HVACR Canada. Very excited to support this organization. And Natalie has so much value to share with the industry, and especially for those of you that are Canadians for sure. So Natalie is truly a serial entrepreneur. She started by running a clothing store before her and her husband started Brooks Heating and Air Conditioning. And like many people in the trades, Natalie had family in the business. Her grandfather was in the heating business, installing and servicing boilers and hearth products in the Netherlands and in Indonesia. Her father was a gas fitter. And then her father actually helped Chris, her husband, learn the trade. And now today, Brooks Heating has their two sons, Lucas and Tucker, who are also involved in the business. And they grew from one crew, 10 years ago to seven trucks on the road today. So in today's interview, we talk about their growth journey at Brooks Heating and Air Conditioning. And we also talk about how Natalie started women in HVACR Canada, which is such an important organization. So if you have any interest in getting more women involved in the trades or hiring women. This is a great interview to listen to for that, but also to see how Natalie and her husband were able to grow this family business and some of the lessons that they learned from growing too fast. Let's head on over and chat with Natalie. Natalie, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Thank you very much, it's nice to be here.
0: It's always great talking with a fellow Canadian. (laughs) That's right, that's right. (laughs) Awesome, so Natalie, I love your story and I think it's really helpful for people to know, you know, how you got into all of this. So tell us a little bit of the, you know, Cole's Notes version of how you got started in the trades.
1: Okay. So I actually got started in the trades. My father was in the trades for a long time. My grandfather was too. And then when I met my husband, my husband started in the trades with my dad. And then my my husband worked for several different companies. You know, working with my dad was a little bit of a challenge when when it's family. So he came home one day and he was like, "Let's start our own business." And I said, "Okay." Like I used to own a clothing store, so I've run a business before. I've run a few. Different little businesses before. And I thought, yeah, we could do this. So we have two sons. So I thought this might be a great way to lead them into the trades as well. 13 years ago, we started Brooks Heating and Air, and it was just one truck. And I answered the phones, and he went on jobs. And so it built from there. So
0: I love that. And it's great that it's a family business. I know a lot of our listeners fall into that category as well. And now you're
1: at a point, do you guys have 12 staff? Is that where you're at now? Um, We're actually up to 14 now. We just hired two more. Yeah, we're pretty excited. We hired two more sort of at the apprenticeship level, like they're coming right out of trade school. We kind of have found that we prefer to do that. We're training them the way we want them to work rather than uh, you know having bad habits that they get elsewhere. So we kind of train them from the ground up. So yeah, so we've got two new guys starting this week. And then we also just hired a new home comfort advisor. So that'll give Chris a little bit of a break from having to do all the sales as well.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. And I would love to dig into the apprentice side of things more. So we will definitely get there. But I guess, tell me, you know, what was the journey going from, you know, just two of you, one truck to now being at a point that you guys have 14 staff? How did that growth happen?
1: Right? Well, we were lucky because we're in our small hometown. so right away, I put Chris's picture on all of our advertisements, and a lot of people recognized him as being a local guy. Um, So we were pretty successful right from the start. Uh, We made a good little living off it, and we hired staff pretty quickly. We hired a helper, and we hired some more technicians. And then we ended up moving into a commercial location because we couldn't run the company from home anymore. We just had too many trucks, and the neighbors were complaining. So (laughs) we ended up Um, moving into a commercial property. And we grew actually, it was 2014. And we grew too fast. Like, Mm -hmm. you were we were mentioning this before, we doubled our in size, and it was just too much. Like, it was, it was kind of crazy. So we decided to kind of scale back a little bit. And then we just grew organically after that. So we do have an office manager now and a part timer in the office. And then myself, And then Chris's sales, which he now won't be. Uh, He'll be managing the whole company, which is what owners should be doing. And then we have the rest are all our crew, our install and service crew.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's dig into that a little bit more because I think that's interesting. And obviously, so many of us can learn from Mm -hmm. the mistakes or challenges of others. I think that's so important. So you guys were essentially at a point that you doubled in size in just a year. Tell me what happened there. So like, was it just that you got all this demand and you were like, okay, we need to hire.
1: Well, yeah, I think part of it going into a commercial building, um, we had more trucks that we had on the road. So those are big billboards. Driving advertisements really. So we needed to hire, we got a lot more business. We needed to hire people. And we just hired too fast. You know, you're it it got busy. We all make this mistake. You end up hiring just, you know, oh, you have a gas license, great, come work for me. And, you know, they the quality control was just not there. We weren't checking on their jobs. And so, you know, it it kind of hurt us in the long run because the customers weren't getting what the quality of service that we that they were used to getting from us. So we decided to scale back a little bit and then we built our team. We had a really good team. But you know, in our industry, there's it's sort of a revolving door. So we've been lucky in the last five years, we've had the same crew for quite a while. We have a quite a few guys that have been with us for a long time, which is rare in our industry. Usually a lot of companies have like two to three years that they can hold on to a tech and then they move on to Greener pastures, right? So, right.
0: That's amazing, and I know that it is a big challenge in the industry, not only attracting the right people, but keeping them. Yeah, so keeping them. What are some of the things yeah. that you guys do to make sure that your techs stick around?
1: Well, we pay really well. I think we pay really well. Obviously, we're sometimes competing with union shops, which do pay a lot more, but then they have to pay union dues. So, um, as a private company, we pay quite well on the spectrum of compared to other companies like ours. Um, we give benefits and then we try and have fun. We try and, you know, do fun stuff with the guys. A lot of it was pre-COVID that we haven't done that much since COVID. But uh like well, we just took everyone to Dave and Busters for the for a night. And that was really fun. We've taken them on fishing trips where we rented a chartered a boat, went on Lake Ontario and fishing, you know, that kind of thing. We've we've always kind of tried to do really fun stuff. And we haven't Christmas party every year. And so just to try and keep them as a team and we're just like a big family. Right. So,
0: yeah, I yeah. love that. I'm yeah. really infusing, you know, your family run business. So infusing yeah. the culture of family. Yeah, too. exactly. So Natalie, when you were saying that at the time that you guys really exploded and you were just hiring everyone, you know, if they had a gas license or whatever. What did that teach you about attracting and hiring the right people?
1: Well, it it taught us that to really, you know, take those 90 probationary days seriously. uh, You know, sometimes you end up just giving people a chance, another chance, and then the next thing you know, you have to let them go. and, And then you're looking at paying severance and things like that. So, we've kind of figured out that within a few weeks we can see if we can suss people out and see if they're a good fit for our company and i mean i don't mean to sound like a mean boss but there's definitely things we look for we we're we're looking for people who have a bit of a hustle that wanna work hard you know there's there tends to be sometimes people that just like to stand around and they're waiting for someone to constantly say what to do and we kind of want someone that's going to take some initiative go pick up the tools, grab a broom and sweep if you have to, right? So that's something that we've kind of learned to suss them out for that. (laughs) Um, And that's, It's really hard to get that in the interview stage because everyone always puts their best foot
0: forward, Yeah.
1: Um, right? So what I have learned is the the guys, well, I say guys because I haven't had a lot of women work for me, unfortunately, on the tools, but the people that come and interview that say, well, I have a lot to learn. You know, I don't know everything. I'm good at my job, but there's always things I can improve on. They tend to be the ones that are really great technicians. The ones that come and tell me, Oh, I know how to do that. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. And they go, Okay, great. You know how to do all this stuff. And then it turns out they don't. Right. So I find the ones that are a little bit more modest about their talents and their qualifications tend to be a better fit. Right. Yeah. In the end. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. So you look for that humility in.
1: A little bit of humility. Yeah. 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 For sure.
0: And. I know that training has been a really important piece. And you mentioned, you know, having just hired a couple people straight out of um, school. So what does that look like? How do you find those people? And how do you go about training them up?
1: So we have a good relationship with a couple of different trade schools. So we either hire them as co-op students or take them on as a co-op student and then sort of see how things go. And then we end up hiring them full time. We do do in-house training as well. But as far as like the schooling, we try and support them by not throwing them right to the wolves right away. A lot of people come out of school and they go, oh, I have a gas license. In Ontario, it's the the G2 license that we're looking for. And we actually just hired a guy and he was like, yeah, I I think I'm confident in what I do. And then today was day two. And he was like, I realize I know nothing. (laughs) You know, so um, we try to keep them for a full heating season and air conditioning season before we let them do anything on their own. There's a lot of companies that will hire and they'll go, here's the truck, here's the keys, here's the address you're going to, go figure it out. Um, That's one of the things we've learned the hard way. It doesn't work. We need to to give them at least one full heating season, one full air conditioning season before they're comfortable or not even, I mean, they might feel comfortable doing it, but before they have the qualifications to actually get out there and do a good job at the quality of level that we are, are expecting. So that's something. And it does. I mean that's that's a long time. A year is a long time to train someone, but in the end it it works out in our favor and we prefer to do it that way.
0: Yeah. And financially, what does that look like? I guess because I do hear sometimes a lot of fear in hiring an apprentice and, you know, investing all that time and effort and energy into them. So how did you guys do that the first time and how do you make sure that you're able to continue to have those newer employees? Yeah.
1: So we um, actually, we've just set up sort of a structure where there's different levels of pay and they'll see it's, we're open and honest about what everyone is making. So you have the journeyman, they make hundred percent of the wages and there's a lead tech they make 75% of the wages they're probably their gas licensed but they they're still an apprentice for air conditioning um and then we have technicians who are they have just come out of school they're licensed but they they're learning and then we also have helpers so the helpers are the ones that sort of come out of high school as a co-op student maybe and so they're making minimum wage but we're just getting them on the tools do you like this job is this something you want to you know, go further with, and then we kind of guide them towards which schooling is best for them. And when they come out back out of school, then we moved them up to the next level. So we we're pretty honest about uh, because we found that you kind of need a goal to work towards, right? If you you hire someone, uh, and that's one of the complaints that we hear from guys that we're interviewing. They say, "Well, I worked for this company for five years, and they kept saying they're going to let me do the apprenticeship, and then they never do. Or, you know, they're going to give me a raise, and they never do. So, we're, we've decided we're going to be open and honest. And, you know, obviously, it's um, part of the the moving up in the world is your attitude, your your drive, and your hustle. But then also the qualifications you have. So." Yeah, you know, uh, there's, uh, there's merit to you work towards your, you know, the next level kind of thing. So
0: yeah, yeah, that's super smart that you give them like, here's the roadmap to what it looks like to work with us.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's awesome. So when you look back on that time of growing too fast, what were some of the other lessons that you guys learned along the way?
1: Um, what we learned was that we really we want to be here for the long run. You know, it's a family business. Our sons were just young at the time. Um, our our oldest son works full time for us now, but he was thirteen when he started. You know, he he did the uh, one of our helpers was sick, and we kind of said to him, "Hey, guess what? You're putting in a water heater today with your dad. So you're going to be dad's helper and and really get him on the tools and stuff." Um, what we realized is that if we don't give the best quality service and, um, you know, customer service, those customers are not going to call us back. And then 10 years down the road, now our son is 23. Those customers are calling us back because we have been giving that quality of service, which if we had kept on that same trajectory, we would not have been in business anymore, I don't think, because people just wouldn't have called us back, right? Mm -hmm. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And how about in terms of your service area? Has that changed since, you know, you guys started your business? Have you found that you've had to adjust what that looks like?
1: Um, You mean like geographical service yeah. area? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we actually used to go everywhere, right? Like, you're starting out and someone in Toronto calls and we're like, yeah, we'll come out and do your service. And now we realize, okay, it could be 45 minutes in traffic to, to get to Toronto or an hour, hour and a half. Is it worth my guy going to do that when he could be doing two calls here in Georgetown? Um, So we've decided to narrow our service area to more local and and, and give better quality service. You know, we do 24-hour service. It's very hard to do when you're driving 45 minutes to an hour to a call and then trying to give someone else service within that same time. We've lost a little bit of business. We've had to say no to customers. Um, We still have a couple of people that are loyal customers since the beginning that we have kept on that we will still service. But we pretty much have narrowed our service area to a, a much smaller area. And we're still busy and we're still it's we're still successful. So it hasn't really changed. Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> more about I guess being a lot more efficient with the time that you have and the yeah. customers that you choose to service.
1: Well, especially with fuel being the cost that it is, right? And like there's one area where we'd have to take the toll roads to get there and the tolls are expensive. So if you add that all in, it's not worth traveling to farther distances. So we, we've actually gotten a nice network of other companies that we've gotten to know and we recommend fellow companies all the time in those areas. So we can help the customer out by doing that, right?
0: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear that you guys have, you've done amazing in terms of your growth and you've learned so much and now you're in a position that you can also help others to learn, whether that's your apprentices, or some of the women in the trades that you work with. Right. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about women in HVACR Canada. How did all this come about?
1: So um, there was a few of us, uh, namely Shelley um, from Vista, credit. Um, she we would meet all the time. And she would tell me, you know, all these other companies that she sees are all struggling to get staff, right? Everyone, I was always asking her, like, hey, do you know anyone looking to jump ship or looking to um move to another company? And she said, you know, everybody's in the same boat. Everyone's always looking. Um, so we started to talk about how there's just 50% of the population is not in the industry, you know, it, we could definitely inc- increase the industry, the amount of people on the tools if we included women. But how do we get women on the tools or interested in our trades? So back and forth, lots of talking. And we decided to have an initial meeting. It was before COVID. Um, we basically contacted every woman we all, we both knew and we met at the uh, HRAI, which is a heating refrigeration. Uh, air conditioning institute they gave us a room to meet in and we just wanted to see are women interested in, in getting involved in something like this so there was lots of interest we had about I think it was about 20 people that showed up at that meeting in person and then COVID hit so it all <laughs> kind of fell apart the whole we dropped the ball a little bit and but then we decide actually the I was invited to speak at ORAC which is a, a union uh, organization um, and they they kind of left the topic up to me to discuss. They said, you can talk, talk about anything you want. And I thought, well, I'm going to introduce women in HVAC. So I kind of did a call to action. I said, hey, you know, this is what we want to do. Contact me if you're interested. And out of that grew a national group like we have people in british columbia we've got a member in uh, newfoundland and everywhere in between which is fantastic so we have gotten lots of sponsors industry sponsors we've got i think about 75 members now and that's growing all the time so we're pretty excited so now because it it was during covid we could do uh, zoom so now we're meeting with people from all across canada yeah so which is fantastic right otherwise it would have been more of a local Ontario, probably GTA group. Um, whereas now we're right across on Canada. So yeah, we're pretty excited about that. Yeah.
0: So it's a blessing in disguise in some way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we've gotten so much great support. It's been fantastic.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So what are some of the ways that women in HVCR Canada supports women in the trades?
1: The way we try and support women in the trades is kind of three different ways. We do education. So we're we're trying to get young women into a guiding help to where they can go to get their education, where they can go get their licenses, their, their skills and things like that. We want to do support as far as and mentorship. So once you're in the trade, you can come to us if you're having a problem with someone you work with. How do I deal with? This or that situation. And it's just a fellow woman to be able to speak to. And then the third part of it is just getting the word out there. So we want to try and speak to younger women, speak to high schools, people that are deciding what career to get into, or even like the YMCA, things like that, where people are looking into second careers. And there was a lot of women after the pandemic that were looking at a a different career or changing career. So, and something that's a little bit more. Covid proof, right? I mean, we were an essential business, so it's it gives you a bit of job protection that way. So those are sort of the three things that we focus on, and we've gotten fantastic sponsorships. We've uh, Milwaukee, for example, gave us toolkits to give to the young ladies that are coming out of school, so that they have some tools to start with, because that's one of the you know. It's a barrier to entry when you're looking at the amount of tools that you need. So they are sponsoring us with that. We've got other um, tool companies that are sponsoring us. Once we started, we opened the doors, there was like a floodgate of different interests and and other groups that we've gotten in touch with, people that do apprenticeships like uh, Supporting Ontario Youth, they help companies with apprenticeships. So we're able to partner with them and we can, we can tell companies about them, they come and send you know, people towards our website to see what we have to offer. There's a lot of, you know, cross I support, I guess, right. So yeah, it's been great for that.
0: That's amazing. And I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are in a similar situation when it comes to the labor shortage and not being able for sure, find workers. So what would you say to an HRAC business owner who doesn't have any women in their team on the tools right now?
1: Well, there's many of us um that that don't have any women on the tools. And I think we're all looking to have more people on the tools, period, not just women. We're not an organization that's just pro-women. We all need people on the tools. We're just trying to encourage the part of the population that isn't that's kind of being overlooked as far as hiring women when we had a booth at the cmpx show this year in toronto and we were so pleasantly surprised at the support that we were getting most of the time those shows are just men right it's a ton of men. And so the women were coming over going, yay, women, there's women here. Right. Um, But then the men that came and met with us, uh, we were handing out pink bracelets as solidarity for getting women in the trades and young and old, everyone was so excited about what we were doing. Um, You know, uh, there's a lot of young men that are like, I don't want to work with just guys. I want to work with women. Right. I want a bit of a mix. There was employers that were saying, you know, women tend to be a little more analytical, so they could be more of a troubleshooting. And then the men, if they're more physical, doing the physical part of the job, then you've got a dream team of, of employees, right? You've got two sides of the spectrum. Not saying, I mean, there's a lot of women that are strong and and that are able to do the physical part of the job as well. But I do think it, it's a potential to have a really good mix. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I am curious, I guess, from your members who are currently working in companies, what are some of the barriers or challenges that they face with their current employers? And I ask this uh, in the lens of like, what can we learn about creating a more female-friendly workplace?
1: So one of the things that we want to do with the women in HVAC is to train the trainers. So we want to have either like a guidebook or a training session where we can take, especially sort of the older generation, right? That's not used to having women on, on the tools. And, and maybe just explaining how women think differently, how we speak differently, how we feel, you know, things are, we're not the same. Men and women are not the same. You know, this whole equality thing. I We're not equal. We shouldn't, we don't want to be equal. We just want the, the same opportunities, right? So I think people need to understand that they don't have to be scared to have a girl on the tools. So we want to be able to give them opportunity to come and speak to us as well about uh, how to deal with certain issues that you might not have with, with an all-male staff, right? So mm-hmm. that's something we're working towards as well.
0: Amazing. Awesome. So Natalie, for any of our listeners who are interested in supporting women in HVACR Canada or they want to get involved somehow, how can they learn more?
1: So we have um, our website. We also have our Facebook group and our Instagram group. So those are two places that you can go visit. We have some very inspiring women that are on the tools that they're almost like uh, influencers now. It's fantastic too. So take a look at our site, but also kind of connect to some of the other women that are doing some really fun videos and things like that. It's it's fantastic to see. We have partnered with our sister group in the United States, which is womeninhvac.com. Um, it's a very similar group. They are an inspiration to us. They are a massive They have tons of members. They started way before us. So we bow to them and we learn from them. And they've shared a ton of resources and things for us to get started. And so obviously if you're in the United States, we would recommend you go to that. But anyone in Canada, you're come and meet our, you know, see see the different bios. And then um, if you're interested in being a member, join us as a member. And we're always looking for help. So we have some committees. Um, we have a board of directors, so there's lots of work to be done. So we're always looking for people that are real go-getters that want to help because, you know, there's, <laughs> we're, there's a ton of work to do. And we're all volunteers right now. We just do it on our own time. So And then if there's companies that want to sponsor us, we are looking for sponsorships. So we've gotten some fantastic sponsors. Napoleon sponsored us, Carrier, Goodman. I mean, I'm just mentioning a few Milwaukee, I had mentioned, you know, there's Vista Credit is one of our diamond sponsors. Triair is a company that's a, a contracting company. So they're at a, like a contracting level. So any, we're looking for anyone to sponsor us. Um, we also partner with other organizations. So if someone's interested in partnership with us, we can put your information on our website and they can share their information, our information on their website. And then We also partner with schools. So any kind of organizations and uh, any kind of schools that offer HVAC, we want to be able to provide all that information to our students. So those are different ways that you can get involved.
0: Amazing. And Natalie, we'll go ahead and put all of those links in our show notes. So if you're listening and you wanna connect with Natalie or learn more about women in HVACR Canada, you can go to womeninhvac.ca and we'll make sure that the links are there. So this has been awesome, Natalie. I really appreciate you sharing so much on the show. And yeah, thanks again.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Hey guys, just wanted to say thank you again for listening to Beyond the Tools I love hearing from our listeners and knowing what topics, what guests, what's resonating with you from these episodes. So if you want to share your feedback, please do so. You can DM me at Reflective Marketing on Instagram, Facebook. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, wherever you want to. So at Reflective Marketing. And if you are enjoying the show, please go ahead and leave us a review. It really, really helps us out to spread the word to other contractors about our podcast. So thank you so much again.